Hey, Trish Butler, Francis Kenny Jang, back here again at the table with our Lunch and Learn guest of the day. You know, this guy doesn't need any introduction. In fact, he does introductions, and, and no one can top him. Adam, why don't you introduce yourself with <laughs> your signature humor? I just love your humor, and I feel like you should be the MC, the mic guy at any show out there, period. Wow. Okay. Well, here is your favorite recovering Canadian throwing it at all of his family members stuck in four feet of snow while he sits underneath his palm tree, overseeing marketing and communications while holding a Slurpee in his hand at Life Church in Fort Myers, Florida. This is me. <laughs> welcome, show. welcome to the show, Adam. <laughs> and you, you mentioned Slurpees and palm trees and just everything all just so good. Yeah, um, life is good. <laughs> that we've been playing around in our church communicators community. Um, this is one of the great things. Um, Adam is definitely one of the guys that has um, raised the bar for all of us communicators, uh, not in just being a practitioner and bringing case studies to the table, but also this is what, this is one of my pet peeves out of, that even as church communicators, we are such lurkers in our own community. <laughs> Right. And there's only a few that actually that stand out, raise their hand, and actually contribute and volunteer and, and have a, a position of generosity of helping others. And so I just want to just call you out and say thank you for being one of those oh, guys man. that really thank helps you. out. Um, really, really thank you. Um, so um, let's just get right to it. Um, first of all, 32nd, what's your day job? What do you do in Fort Myers um, outside of hanging at the 7-Eleven, drinking Slurpees all day? <laughs> Well, when I'm not sitting underneath a palm tree or on the beach, then I'm at work and I oversee marketing and communications. And I've also taken over all of our live production. So it's the whole gamut. Everything that people experience for us externally comes through my fingers. And uh, everything they touch when they're on our campus comes through my fingers. So, you know, that's kind of the hands-on approach. My official title is marketing and communications. My unofficial title is the C-M-I-H, that's the chief of making it happen. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, so how, how big is your church? On a given Sunday, how many services, how many people attend, just to give people a sense? And then how big is your team um, that you work with? Yeah, so uh, on staff, I'm the only person on staff right now. And uh, we do have two interns right now. So that's kind of the employers, employee staff side of the picture. Uh, on a Sunday morning, uh, last Sunday we served uh, 876 people and that's pretty average for us right now. Uh, we've gotten pretty close to 900 a few weeks recently and uh, also around the Christmas time we we're around the 750 range. So we're kind of sitting right in that, that area right now and uh, looking for some growth and it's gonna be good. So that's where we're at. We have two services on a Sunday morning, nine and 1115. And our service formats are a lot longer than uh, a lot of what I might say is a typical growing church right now. And, um, and that's, it, it suits us really well. It suits our core values. You know, one of our core values is the presence of God. And so we really give lots of time and space in our service during worship, during the message time for people to respond after the message. And so that's kind of how we frame our services. So Sunday's a big day for us. I'm at church about seven hours on a Sunday. Um, between getting ready and closing up and actually having service and all that kind of yeah, fun stuff. Yeah. Sundays is, Sundays is it. Um, I just want to call something out here. And this is one of the things, again, from my, my seat, not enough communicators are paying attention to this, that it, it's just natural for you to know the numbers of 
um, where you are and, and what trajectory you're on, growth or not. Right. And I feel like this is just one of the things that I'm just going to call out that not enough communicators look at their job as part of the responsibility of growing their church. They're just sitting there and just they're, they're busy doing their thing and, and putting that responsibility on somebody else. And I love the fact that just, it's just natural in your leadership that you're paying attention. You have those numbers at the, at the tip of your fingers. That was not a scripted question. Right. And I think it speaks to why you're doing such an excellent job um, down there in Florida. So, um, so let's just start with what you're actually doing there. You said you have these two interns and you've got a bunch of volunteers. Um, yeah. One of the reasons I brought you on is because I, um, I've noticed that you actually published a second resource um, a book for church communicators out there. Why don't you share with us what the title is um, and just a you know, overview of what, what that book is supposed to be for. Yeah, so uh, this is my third ebook. It's and it's uh, you know a year ago when I took on our live production team, we had eighteen volunteers, and uh, as of last month's count, we have thirty-five volunteers. And I trained less than ten wow. people last year, so that means the majority of the training happened from somebody who's already on our team. And if you told me that this was possible a year ago, I would have told you that this couldn't happen till pigs fly. And, but I've created this system where we could teach our volunteer team to train and recruit new people. And so I wrote this ebook about how to do that. There's nine steps. I wrote this ebook and it's called The Pigs Are on the Runway. Because if you believe this can only happen when pigs fly, I'm going to tell you the pigs are on the runway. They're ready to take off. And so these steps are really easy, nine steps. You can easily pull off one a week, even if you're in a volunteer capacity. And so like, I'm talking like less than three months from now, you could be seeing your own team recruiting and training new team members. Well, forget, you're forget completely hands up. Then training, many communicators have no volunteers at all. And I think it's a scary prospect for a lot of people. Can you just, let's, let's just rewind a little bit. Sure. <laughs> so how many volunteers do you have now? And then when did you get your first volunteer? How long did it take to scale to 30 plus volunteers? Well, I, um, basically took on the live production team, which was already 18 volunteers. Okay, so I kind of had a basis to work from right there. Um, but since then, we've built our social media team from the ground up. So we've got eight people on our social media team. And so, uh, yeah, and each of them are, specific, are, are uh, responsible for a specific channel. Wow. So we have one person for Facebook, one for Twitter, uh, two people for Instagram. We could talk about why. And then we also run our youth channel. So one of our big pushes is reaching generations. And so I know some people choose not to have individual youth channels. Uh, we actually do have youth channels, but we intentionally run them as part of our social media team. We don't just hand them off to the youth pastor to do whatever. And so, you know, obviously he gets input. So we've got four channels for our church or, or Instagram is split into two. That's uh, four people. And then the same thing for you. So that's another four people. So there's eight people on our social media volunteer team. And so, and they all report to you, basically. You're the one, the team leader for, the, for all those eight people for social. Yeah. So I oversee marketing and communications. There is a social media team leader and they report to that person who reports to me. So it's not because I don't want that interaction and I do find that interaction is important. It's simply because I needed to find a way to take something off my plate. So I really empowered somebody to, to train and recruit on my behalf and created this system and structure. And, and that's really what's worked for us. 
and then we're looking to add another. Sorry. So, I mean, let's get to the elephant in the room, right? <laughs> sure. I've been around a lot of church staffers, and staffers at the end of the day just don't think that volunteers are up to snuff. It's like no matter how good a volunteer they it just they just don't perform at the level that a paid staff member might. It's almost like how doctors look at chiropractors or something like that, right? It's yeah. like <laughs> it's just not the same or something like that, right? So um, has that been your experience? And can you empathize with that point of view? And what is the underpinnings of that? What, you know, what, what's faulty in that point of view? Yeah. So um, I'm sorry, <coughs> excuse me. I've been at life church here in Fort Myers for three years. And for the first two and a half years, I didn't build a volunteer team. So I know exactly where we're coming from. And I'm not saying that concern never goes away because it exists, but the opportunity to see the results really helps alleviate that concern. So I, I know where it comes from. And, and one of the things I've done is I've, I've really laid down the framework of our core values. So everything we communicate has to be communicated through one of our four core values. If it, if it doesn't relate to one of our core values, we don't communicate it. Mm. So this is an important part of laying it out for our team. And um, if we don't lay it out that way, then they could just post, you know, what's your favorite flavor of donut? Or, you know, seven days of, you know, do you prefer chocolate or vanilla ice cream? And at some point we have to cut to the chase, right? So at some point we're not about donuts and ice cream, although that's fun for engagement and a great way to throw it in. And so I think part of the concern is just handing over the reins and letting somebody represent your brand. And for me, that's definitely what it was. And I'm not the lead pastor of our church, so I still report to somebody. And handing but is it just because you're a nice guy, you're from Florida, you're laid back, <laughs> you've got the sun, you're not up here in the Northeast, type A, control freak, like, how do you, how do you let that go? No, for two and a half years, I was the control freak. So I really, we had a conversation on our team that um, failure isn't an option, it's a necessity. And the only way we're going to break ground and come up with new creative ideas is to fail. And one of the ways I could fail and potentially also risk winning is handing off that responsibility to somebody and not seeing what they're gonna post until it's posted. And so, um, you know, I, I think in the digital world we live in, it's not like they printed a thousand copies of a magazine that's going to cost your church $3,000 and now you're going to evaluate. We can always delete a post, right? right? So, and so initially I'm really tight in looking at what they're posting, right? Because the longer it's up there, the more chance somebody else could screenshot it and have a copy. Um, but at the same time, just saying, Hey, we're going to communicate through our values. And as long as you're willing to communicate through our values and then I can trust you with that we're just going to need to have lots and lots of conversations about it. Are you using any sort of like team based um, editorial planning tool, a calendar or um, planable is the latest one that came around the block recently where it's a visual calendar and then visually people put posts together. It gets mocked up based on the, on the, um, the channel people can edit and then approve and then you can push it out to the calendar. Are you using anything like that? I'd love to say we were. <laughs> but we're not. And the reason is we are kind of a team of a lot of type A personalities. Like that amount of effort just feels like 
way too much planning. You know, I've got this idea. I want to go live with a story. Go for it. That's the response. Let's figure it out after it's live. So we do use a Facebook group for communications. And every week I send my team the what. So on Monday, we're going to talk about small groups. On Tuesday, we're going to talk about our podcast. On Wednesday, we're going to invite people to our youth service all the way through the week. And that changes every week. But what I don't tell them is the how. So they still feel like they get to be creative. I love it. And, and the cool thing is, no matter what channel you look at on Monday, you'll see about our small groups. Now on Facebook, it might be a live video from our small group pastor. And on Twitter, it might be a quote with a link to sign up. And on Instagram, it might be an album of pictures from our small groups. But no matter what channel you check out on Monday, you're going to see small groups. Wow. And so I give them the what. I allow them to figure out the how. So they are given really clear structure and direction, but they still get to feel creative in that process. That's pretty cool. At Church Butler, we have this framework called the seven-layer dip. And I think it's very similar where it, it, it basically specifies on a daily basis the topic or theme Right. Um, and then you can add and, and mix and match. But I think that's what you're saying is, and then it's the content itself, right? So if you're saying that, hey, on Tuesday, we're going to talk about Slurpees. It doesn't matter if it's a cherry Slurpee or orange Slurpee. It doesn't, it doesn't matter, right? It's yeah. up to the, that volunteer or that staffer to come up with something with it. I love that, that you're using that, I, I guess, container type of metaphor and yeah. letting them fill it up with whatever they want or whether they have it available. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, that's, that, that allows me to build the structure to give them the trust I need to not have to preview everything they're going to post right before they post it. Okay. So let's get to the, how do you recruit and how do they train? So how do they recruit others? And, you know, we've done this so many times in so many churches, I'm sure all of us have, where we just tell people every Sunday, invite your friends, get a friend, tell them, tell your family member. What's the secret sauce? Because that's, that's obviously not working. We got to try something else. Right. So for us, the secret sauce is systems and structures. And I'm not saying this is going to work at every church. I, I, I don't know if it'll work at every church, but it's worked really well for us. And what I found is that people are willing to recruit to a team that they're confident in. So if they know exactly what's expected of them, you know, we just sent out a, a church uh, survey for specifically for the 35 volunteers that I oversee. And so I asked some questions like on a scale of one to 10, how much of what you do is what you thought you would do when you took this position? Oh, wow. Right. And, and explain the difference. So what would it take to get you from a seven to an eight or what would it take to get you from a three to a four? And, and I asked those questions, you know, what would you say is the biggest reason you're on the team? Is it to play with the toys? Is it to help people encounter God online on our broadcast? Is it team members? And, and most of the responses, the majority of the responses were, I know what's expected of me and I know how to do my job. And so when somebody knows how to do that, then it's really easy for them to turn around and invite somebody because when they recruit somebody, somebody asks a question like, how often do you have to serve? And they don't have to say, oh, well, I have to serve like, I don't know, this month it was twice and last month it was three times and next month I think it's once, you know, they, they just are able to answer the question. And so I think the confidence really helps them want to bring somebody onto the team. It allows them to answer the questions without everything having to go through me or them looking like a deer in headlights. That's really, really insightful. I, I really, um, I can understand why that works. Um, now in terms of training, right? So 
you've got these people in these roles. How do they train the next generation, the next cohort that comes in the door to the same level of quality assurance that, I mean, because isn't the risk that it turns into like the string can game where, <laughs> right. right? Like you're telling your people, your people are telling the next generation um, and then it becomes completely, uh, you know, something completely odd and different. Yeah, totally. Hey, I have to apologize. They're obviously cutting the grass outside my window. Do you want me to shut the window or we could? No, that's fine. I didn't okay. hear it. Okay, so um, basically what we do is we've created these systems and structures, this training again. And when somebody comes to training, they get a checklist. Okay, so the checklist, let's say they're going to run a camera for us. Uh, but this applies across all of our teams, photography, social media, live production, sound, lyrics. Uh, let's say they're, they're going to run camera, though. They get a checklist. The first thing on the checklist, I learned how to turn the camera on. Okay? I learned how to open the lens cap. I learned how to zoom in. I learned how to zoom out. I learned how to pan. I learned how to tilt. Uh, I learned how to turn on my headset and make sure the microphone is muted when I'm not using it. I learned how to turn on the microphone when I need to use it. So I, it, it's really annoying actually <laughs> but it lays out every single step so now i when i trained the first camera people for our team i walk them through this training now not only are they learning this is how i turn the camera on and this is how i open the lens cap but they're learning how to train by being trained mm. because now i can hand them the checklist and they can invite somebody and walk the next person through the checklist. So who's creating those checklists for you and making sure that it's comprehensive, you're not missing stuff? Yeah, so uh, I'm creating those checklists ourselves for our team. And then what I do is I bring in one of our team members who has experience in that position and they walk through the checklist and they're gonna tell me, hey, did you miss, mm. you know, you missed this or, you know, the, or they'll say, one of the things I couldn't figure out is you've got a checkbox that says turn the camera on but I didn't know you had to press that little button first before you flick the switch over. Right, right. I thought I could just flick the switch and it wasn't flicking, you know? So some of those things help. And so then after I ask somebody who's already got practice doing it, then I will have somebody who's never done it before. You know, so our secretary has walked through almost all of our training <laughs> lists on our live production team because I want somebody who doesn't even understand how a camera works I love it. to walk through those checklists and, and show me where the hiccups are. So we made another revision. So our, our process, you know, has regular revisions. I'll give you an example. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I walked into worship rehearsal on a Thursday night because I was checking our settings for Sunday morning. And while I was there, I didn't know this, but somebody on our team was training somebody else. Okay. And the person they were training, I'd never met before in my life. And so we realized, okay, somewhere in the checklist, we need to have a, I met Adam box, right? So that if somebody's walking around with a camera taking pictures, I don't ask security to escort them out. <laughs> right. Because I would never met this person before and I would have had no idea who it was. And so, you know, once in a while I get an email, Hey, I trained so-and-so on this night. I'd like to introduce you. Right. When can we connect between service? By the way, they're willing to work once a month. Go ahead and put them on the schedule. So my entire involvement in the process is adding them to planning center. Gotcha. So it's gotcha. pretty cool. Planning center people. It's all about the people. So yeah. um, for those people who are listening in today, um, first of all, can you share with us how would how would they get a copy of this ebook to introduce them to some of these concepts that you've been able to successfully codify and use? You know, they can go to adammclaughlin.net slash volunteer. 
and that'll pull up the ebook. Maybe we can put a link in so that yep. they can just click it because McLaughlin's not fun to spell. And then, <laughs> uh, uh, or they can go to adammclaughlin.net slash ebooks and they can see all my ebooks. It's the top one, the most recent one that I've written. And so either one of those ways they can get a hold of that. And then just a shout out, to, let's talk about your other two ebooks. What are the topics of the names and the topics of the two ebooks? I love yes. the names. So the first one is Trust Glue, and it's 11 ways to create a first impression that sticks. And basically everything that we try and do, we need to communicate through our core values. They're the filters of how we create what we create. And so they're our branding. Our marketing is how people experience those. So we talked about one of our core values is the presence of God. Our marketing is when somebody comes into our church, they're going to experience the presence of God or given the opportunity to experience the presence of God because we don't rush through our services. We, we choose to allow worship to go along when we want it to and, and those types of things. So that's our marketing. And then our advertising is telling people what they're going to experience. So our advertising says, hey, come experience the presence of God. They come in, they actually do experience the presence of God. And this creates trust. And that's the trust glue that makes people stick around. So that's my first ebook. Okay. 11 ways before somebody parks to before service starts. There's 11 ways you can build trust with a new visitor. Uh, that's my first ebook. And then my second one is called Snorkel Fork. Snorkel Fork. <laughs> and, and the subtitle is, this book is confusing. Your announcements don't have to be. <laughs> so it's all about how do we create announcements that inspire a response and again, filter our announcements through our core values. So it's not as important to tell people what's going on, but tell them why you're doing what you're doing and invite them to participate. So that's the second ebook. And then the third one, it's what we're talking about today. The pigs are on the runway. If you think building a volunteer team that grows itself is only for when pigs fly, then I have news for you. The pigs are on the runway. <laughs> Love that name. So, so much insight and the wisdom that you're unpacking for people. Um, and then you've got a great uh, site itself. Um, I think people really need to get, uh, get in touch with you if they really want to learn further about these things. Uh, very accessible. Thank you so much for being with us today, Adam. Um, is there any other things that you might, um, I guess, um, you know, charge people with as they think about building a volunteer team for the first time? Because for many people, I will tell you, I will say, oh, I'll, I'll be on, a, uh, go out on a limb that the majority of people listening here from communications do not have a volunteer team in place. Right. And so um, if they're thinking about that for the first time this year, what's the, what's a, the most practical um, encouragement you can give them to take that first step of planning? What, what, where do they start? Well, for me, that was my case for two and a half years. So it's not some magic bullet or some personality thing. I, I ran, literally, I ran everything myself for two and a half years. And so if I can grow my team in the last six months by creating clear systems, clear expectations, clear structures, and then just trusting people to execute, mm. um, then, then you can do it too. And make sure you've built in a mechanism so you can give them feedback and they can give you feedback and start that conversation so that when a trust issue comes up, you can say, hey, you know, we're supposed to be here at this time or, or uh, and you showed up late, can we have a conversation about that? All of those systems and structures really create the framework. And now we don't think about those systems and structures as much as we think about celebrating the win. We celebrate how many people watched us online and we celebrate how many people got recruited and how many people trained. And so I would just say, it's not impossible. I've totally been there and it's also not 
like I've worked at this for 10 years, right? Like six months ago, I was struggling when somebody quit and, and now I've got a little bit of structure. I actually took a weekend off last week. Two weeks ago, I showed up and somebody was being trained. I never met the person. This can work for you. I love it. And then the, the fourth ebook is going to be 15 places you can take a nap at church because you have so many volunteers doing the work for you. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's how to reach more people now that you've got more stuff off your plate. <laughs> yes, right. That, that's, uh, that's uh, and all, all joking aside, that's what it comes down to, right? We yeah. got to get you out of the routine uh, th things, the, uh, the things that are just uh, systems and processes that you can actually share that faith and action component with other volunteers in your, in your congregation so that yeah. you can be, uh, I guess, tasked with higher value strategic initiatives for your church and this circus right. like i think it's full circle it's I totally full circle the beginning you started quoting numbers for your church and your services etc it's very clear that your headspace is in the right place that's saying hey we want to grow we want to reach yeah. more people we have and to. it's one of the right we hear it all the time the things that you measure is the things that move right and so yeah. uh, just kudos to you for being able to figure this out and thank you again for your generosity and sharing what you've learned it, with other churches out here that are with us today. Cool. Thank you so much for having me on, Kenny. Thank you so much for everybody here listening today. Um, this is another Lunch and Learn part of our series here at Church Butler. You can find out more details about Adam's ebook at www.butler.church/blog. We'll post this there and our uh, podcast on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and Google Play by popular demand from those nice. non-Apple iOS users that finally got your way. Um, I'm Kenny Jang, your host. Till next time, be good and be generous.